Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story, and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors, and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Merry Christmas, Active Church. It's such an honor to celebrate this season and this day with you. Thanks for watching or listening to Christmas Eve at Active. My name is Mike. If this is your first time or you're coming back and it's been a long time, we're so glad that you're a part of the story that God is writing here at Active. This really is the most wonderful time of the year, even if there are some things that are hard and even if there are some things that are heavy. Christmas is this loud noise, this loud announcement about good news of great joy for all people. And and why shouldn't we get loud, right? Because a Savior has been born. The Messiah has come. The Son of God is here. Have you ever been to a baby announcement? Maybe you were surprised by a family that is getting ready to have a baby or they're adopting a baby and you showed up and you thought it was dinner and they announced at dinner that there's a bun in the oven or that they have a baby on the way through adoption, what do you do in those moments? You get loud. You celebrate because it's a moment that should express all sorts of joy. You ever been to a gender reveal? Gender reveals aren't quiet. They're not peaceful, right? At gender reveals, you have noisemakers and confetti cannons and you eat good food and you all get fat and giggly because a baby is on the way, a little boy or a little girl. And we get loud in those moments. And so why not get loud about Christmas? Why not get loud about the Savior? Why not get loud about the Son of God? He is the rescuer of all people. He has come to redeem and renew and restore. And after the last two years, I think we need some redemption and some renewal and some restorative moments. We're convinced as followers of Jesus, as active church, that every better story begins in the person and work of Jesus. And that story began at Christmas time. And he provides hope and he gives life. This is how he fights for us. This is how he fights with us. He is a God who shows up. He is a God who is present. And Christmas is proof that God's presence changes everything. It's proof that God's presence changes our circumstances. God Showing up in his presence is where the power is because God decided to be with us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. And when he shows up, he changes every circumstance. He changes every story. He changes every life. And that change begins in his love. And so the people of God who came before you and I, the Jewish people, they would have this image in their mind of God. And this was before the Christmas story happened. And so as they waited and anticipated for the promised Messiah, they believed that this Messiah would show up to protect them and care for them. And the image that they would think about was the image of a shepherd. Now, I know in our world, in 2021 and moving into 2022, shepherds, it's not something that we're aware of, right? We don't drive by a shepherd in the field with somebody, with sheep or with animals anymore. But it had this powerful, extraordinary strength. It was an image that represented God really well to the people. Because a shepherd in that time was someone who was always with the sheep. And he would protect the sheep with his presence. 
And so the dominant narrative of God prior to Christmas was that he is my shepherd. He is your shepherd. He is the good shepherd. In fact, David, who was the second king of Israel, he was the David that fought Goliath and defeated the Philistines, David. He wrote in Psalms about how God is our shepherd, my shepherd and your shepherd. And this became the mantra for the people of God. This is what they would recite every single day as a reminder of who God is and what God does. It's really famous. Even if you're not a church person, it was something that has got into our culture and into our reality. It's powerful. It's Psalms 23. And I want to read through Psalms 23, bits and pieces of it and talk it through because this mantra, this creed was what the Israelites, the people of God would put in their heart to remind them of who God is. And so in Psalms 23 verse 1, David began with these words, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Maybe you've heard it this way, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. David's conviction and the people of God, their conviction was that God is greater and better than anything that we could desire for. That he will meet every need and he has promised to meet every need. This is what he does. He meets needs, not greeds. And he shows up because he's my shepherd and your shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He is a shepherd that doesn't just tell you what to do or encourage you to do something. He's a shepherd who shows up and embodies the words that he has shared with you and with me. And he's a shepherd that brings peace and gentleness and mercy and compassion, not anxiety and worry and frustration and hate. It was Jesus that actually said that I have come and my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I am gentle and I'm humble. This was their conviction of the good shepherd because he was my shepherd and he's your shepherd. David continues and says, he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. They believed that they carried the name of the good shepherd wherever they went. Just like you carry your name and I carry my name. Maybe when you were a kid, your parents, when they dropped you off somewhere, they said, make good choices, right? A part of that was because they didn't want to ground you. They didn't want to get you in trouble, but you're carrying their name. You're representing them. And the people of God were convinced that they carried the name of the good shepherd. And so wherever they went, whether they spoke to somebody or lived in such a way where they interacted with somebody, they wanted it to represent who God is and what God does. It was their reminder to remember whose they are and who they are. Maybe Christmas is a time for you to remember and to reflect on that as your family sits around the table. All of the mess and all of the goodness that your family represents. These men and women who followed the good shepherd, who followed Yahweh, who followed God, they wanted to represent God in a powerful way. They carried his name because he was my shepherd and he's your shepherd. And David says, even though I walk in the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There was this conviction that the good shepherd would be with them in this life for the long haul. He wouldn't bail when it got hard. He wouldn't dip out when it got heavy. He was there with them and he was present with them and he was working on their behalf. This is what they were convinced of and convicted of. This is what they learned from the good shepherd. David says in verse five of Psalms 23, you prepare a table 
before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is powerful because they believed in their time and for our time. They believed that there was a way of life that doesn't have to hate those who come against you. Like they were convinced as they shared this creed out loud, as David wrote this down, as they memorized this, they believed that the shepherd was teaching them that they could be present with their enemies and not declare war and not go after them, but instead choose mercy. And then David concludes this mantra of Psalms 23 and verse 6, surely goodness and love, some of you know it as surely goodness and mercy, will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's beautiful, right? And even if you're not a church person or even a Christian, you might be aware of Psalms 23. It's a powerful statement about who God is and what God does. And it caused the people to reflect and to remember who God is and what God does. That he is the good shepherd and he comes and fights for them because that's what shepherds do. But the question they wrestled with as they anticipated the Messiah, the Savior, the good shepherd showing up, God fulfilling that promise, the question they wrestled with was, how would he show up? Like when he showed up, how would he be present with us? And they would soon find out in one of the most famous and true stories of all time that Luke, who investigated the story of Jesus, wrote down. And you know it, you may have heard it, and it goes something like this. Luke chapter two, starting in verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. This is the same David that wrote Psalms 23. And when he was there, he was with Mary and they registered and Mary was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger. And there was no room. They were there because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And an angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news, great joy for everyone, for all people. And here it is. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord, the one you've been waiting for. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find this baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, and if you know it, say it out loud with me, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. It's a beautiful, true story of a real God who sent his son the Messiah, the Savior, the Rescuer of the people, the Good Shepherd is here. And what we learn is that the posture that God chose at Christmas was the posture of humility. God would show up in a humble way, as a humble baby. That Jesus, when he was born, he gave up his 
rights and his throne. He gave up his title. And eventually, he would grow up and give of his life for you and for me. It was Paul that wrote most of the New Testament. Paul was one of the most significant leaders in the movement of Jesus, the Christian movement. And he actually writes to men and women like you and me who are discovering the story of God. And in his letter called Philippians, he writes and says that Jesus, being in the very nature God, made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He didn't just talk about serving people. He served us and continues to do so. And he shows up, the likeness that he shows up in first is a baby to become like us, to live among us, to serve us. This is what Jesus did. And he said, I came to give you life. In fact, John wrote it down. Jesus said out loud, I have come to give you life and have it more abundantly, which means not life like everybody else, not life that you would see on television or you would see on YouTube or you would see on social media, but life more abundantly, which means it's life upon life and joy upon joy and grace upon grace and love upon love that even though things might be hard and heavy, you can get louder about the story that God is telling in you and through you. And so with that in mind, can we, can we just talk about you for a moment? Can we talk about your life? Because I know for many of you watching, for many of you listening, I know that this is probably not where you thought you would be. And I'm not talking about watching or listening, but maybe where you are currently at in life. Maybe the dream hasn't been fulfilled. The plan hasn't been accomplished. Maybe you've wrestled with, how did I get here? And I didn't plan on being here. When I was in high school, I was going to do this, but now I'm doing that. And maybe you're not satisfied or content with who you are or even where you are. And when we're in those moments, what we have a tendency to do is we look for things that maybe we hope will meet all of our longings and all of our desires. We look for purpose and significance. We look to matter. We look for value. But the problem is, is that often the things that we search for, that we try to fill our hearts and our minds and our souls with, they don't meet our desires. And then we just settle with waiting. We, we wait at the end of like this year, during Christmas, at December. We wait for the calendar to change because we think that the momentum of the calendar changing will change the momentum of our life. That suddenly, because it's a brand new year and it says January 1, we suddenly think that things are going to be better and we're going to be different. But the problem is it's you are continuing to move into the new year and you made choices to get here And you're going to continue to make choices to get to wherever you are going or not going. And we we search for meaning. We long for these things. And this, this is why God showed up. This is why God decided to send his son. And I'm convinced, and this is just a mic conviction. There isn't a theological statement or, or a doctrinal statement or a biblical statement about this. This is just my conviction. I believe that God decided to send Jesus at Christmas time in December because he knows our rhythm. And at the end of the year, we just believe and are convinced that maybe if the calendar changes, we'll be different and things will be different. And he shows up maybe when it's the hardest, when we're the weariest, when we're worn out and we're filled with worry and anxiety. He shows up in those moments and says, I have come to give you life. A life that you can't pursue on your own. A life that you can't gain on your own. I have come to breathe life into you. Don't wait for it. Choose it. Today, 
that life comes in this baby that was born at Christmas time. Who grows up to go to a cross and resurrects from the grave? His name is Jesus. John says, this is the good shepherd with skin on. In fact, his words were this, that the word of God, all of what God had said, put skin on. Jesus embodied the word of God in his body and he made his dwelling among us. That he modeled for us everything that God had said to us prior to Christmas time. Because God doesn't just talk about it. God is going to be about it. That's the good shepherd that we follow. And the reason why he sent Jesus and the reason why Jesus fulfilled all of this and the reason why Jesus lives this out is because, friends, that's what good shepherds do. They show up. They're present. They sacrifice and serve because they care for their sheep. Which, by the way, this is why it's ironic when Jesus followers or Christians call other people sheep as an insult. Because that name, that title, sheep, is what your heavenly father uses to talk about you. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of love. My youngest daughter is 13 years old. Her name is Riley May. You know what we call her? We call her Tootsie. Because when she was born, it just... She just looks like a Tootsie. (laughs) And so we call her Toots. I was watching her basketball game the other day and I said, hey, great shot, Toots. And everybody looked at me like, who are you talking to? I'm talking to my girl. That's my name for her. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of love. If I call her Riley, she's in trouble. If I call her Tootsie, it's because there's good things happening in our relationship. God, God calls you his sheep, his sons and his daughters. It's not an insult. It's a term of endearment. It's weird when Christians use that as an insult. By the way, it's also weird when Christians insult people. That's weird because that's not what the good shepherd taught us because the good shepherd at Christmas time, he came to do something that we couldn't do for ourselves. It's summarized in that famous Christmas carol, that line, maybe you're familiar with it. God and sinner reconciled. That God has made the first move to move towards us, to bring reconciliation, to bring harmony, to bring us back to him so that we can do life with him, so that we can have life. God and sinner reconciled. No hostility, forgiveness. No anger, freedom. No condemnation, just salvation. And if if God and sinner can be reconciled, then what about sinner and sinner? What about you and me? Like, if you want to get loud about the Christmas story, if you want to get loud about Jesus, you want to live differently in this world, you can do one thing and it will change everything around you. You can do one thing and it'll be different than what you see around you. You can do one thing and it'll be different than what happens in this town. It'll be different than what happens in this state. It'll be different than what happens in this United States. It'll be different than what happens in the world. If you decided to be reconciled, sinner and sinner, to live in reconciliation, to do everything you can to reconcile with somebody, that will be the loudest thing that you do in your life. Because isn't it it true? Doesn't it feel like nobody does that? God and sinner can be reconciled because God moved first and then he allows us to reconcile with each other. We don't have to insult each other, especially with the names that God, that God calls us, that God uses as a term of love, as a term of endearment. Friends, can I just tell you, I know this is possible because the Lord is my shepherd. At the age of eight, I made a decision to trust in Jesus as my Lord. 
to surrender my way so that I can live in his way, to not build my kingdom, but so that I can build his kingdom. And I'm not here to announce that I've done this perfectly because that would be a lie and that would be untrue. And that is not the invitation of Jesus to live perfectly. The invitation of Jesus is to depend upon him and to trust in him and to move in his direction, to live a life of love on earth as it is in heaven so that we may be people who live in an irresistible way that draw people to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Messiah who was born at Christmas time, the one who is the good shepherd. And so maybe this Christmas season, you could actually celebrate Christmas differently than you have in years past. Maybe this Christmas season, you could celebrate the good shepherd as the Lord of your life. Perhaps your, your words or your prayer to God could be this, that, that the Lord is my God and I choose to live my life for him. And I get it, I get it. For some of you, you have a lot of questions. You have a lot of doubts. You have a lot of concerns. You have a lot of tensions when it comes to the story of Jesus. And all of that is real. You can bring all of that to God. But the thing that I want you to turn your attention to is that at Christmas, The greatest announcement about God being for you was found in the birth of Jesus. And this historically true and historically accurate story with a real person, Jesus, born to real parents, Mary and Joseph, in a real city called Bethlehem. This story changes all of history. And if we're honest, I think the tension that we have is not if it's historically accurate or scientifically accurate. I think the tension we have is, I have to surrender control. I have, to, I have to give up what I want. But I think you and I can at least affirm that often we don't like where we're at in life anyway. And that we want to live for something bigger and better than us. And so what if this Christmas you decided to consider Jesus? What if this Christmas you decided to move in his direction because he's moved all the way into your direction? What if this Christmas you said, the Lord is my God and I choose to live for him? In your doubts, the Lord is my God and I choose to live for him. In your shame, the Lord is my God and I choose to live for him. In your embarrassment, the Lord is my God and I choose to live for him. As the calendar is getting ready to change, you're not going to lean on the momentum of the calendar change, but you're going to lean on the power of God and say, the Lord is my God and I choose to live for him. This will be the best Christmas yet. This will be the merriest of Christmases yet. If you take a step in the direction of the God who has moved fully into your direction and you say, the Lord is my God and I choose to live for him. Let me pray for you. And Heavenly Father, it's in those words that we announce, that we acknowledge who you are and we trust in what you've done. And I pray that these words would not just be words that we speak, but today, this Christmas Eve, and moving forward, they would be words that we would live out, that we would have life and have it to the fullest, have it more abundantly because Jesus has come. May those watching and and those listening say out loud, The Lord is my God, and I choose to live for him. Because you are a good shepherd who shows up 
You fight for us with your presence. And in your presence, there is power. And may we experience the power of God that forgives our sins. May we experience the power of God that sets us free from things that master us. And may we follow Jesus this Christmas and as we move into this brand new year. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray all of this. Together we say amen and amen and amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.